Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Kristen Lumiere. Uh, she's a neuroscientist and an author, and we're going to talk about uh, how to boost cognitive health, performance, and power. Uh, she's the author of a book called Biohack Your Brain. Um, so, yeah, Kristen, thanks for coming. Oh, my gosh, Richard, thank you so much. Thank you for pronouncing my name like that. I love it. <laughs> it's <laughs> <I> beautiful. <tried. laughs> you did great. <laughs> Such an honor to be a guest on your show today. Thank you, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey and how you became a neuroscientist and why. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, I grew up showing horses in the Midwest. So I actually thought I was going to be a competitive equestrian growing up. Um, but I became very interested sort of in my early years studying psychology at Boston College. I wanted to get involved in um, understanding how to enhance performance in athletics. So that was the initial route in. And as I started to delve more into psychology and cognitive psychology, I just wanted to get a better understanding of the physiology of the brain. And that's really what attracted me more into neuroscience. Thought I was going to go to medical school, ended up dating somebody who uh, went to Harvard Medical School, and he literally talked me out of going to medical school and talked me into going into neuroscience. So I really credit him with the career that I have today. He happened to be a team doctor for the New England Patriots at the time. And the great irony of that story is that, you know, I went ahead and I did my neuroscience training over at UCLA and Cedar sinai Medical Center. So that training was more in the area of Parkinson's disease. Um, I studied okay. a gene that becomes mutated in the young onset form of Parkinson's disease called Parkin. Did that for, for nine years. And when I left and left academic, academic science, I went into more of the sort of mainstream science and I started working for uh, the Amen Clinics, which is an outpatient psychiatric clinic that focuses on treating um, complex psychiatric disorders using neuroimaging. So I was hired for two roles there. One, I was their director of research for their clinical neuroimaging department. And okay. the goal there was to show how neuroimaging can help transform psychiatric practice. And then my second role there was as the director of nutrition and nutraceuticals. And uh, in that role, I was supposed to study how nutritional supplements can change brain function um, using neuroimaging te techniques and technologies. And in that role, I also sort of took on this really great role of uh, brain health educator. So I would educate all of our psychiatric patients on how to take the best care of their brain health. Uh, and I did a lot of nutritional consults for them using supplements as that bridge um, you know, when people have anxiety, depression, ADHD, and don't want to go the medication route, this is where supplements can be really helpful in managing symptoms. So well, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people, some personally that have, you know, depression for years and years and years, and it's just like, a, it's a burden. It seems like it's a weight on them. And I don't know. I mean, you know, the medications, the SSRIs and things like that, and the antipsychotics, they don't, they don't seem to be too good to I mean, what have you discovered that uh, supplement-wise? I know it's different for everybody, but sure, any, any generalities you've discovered? Yeah, well, so what's interesting about psychiatric disorders in general, whether they're anxiety or depression, they have unique neurobiological signatures. And, you know, this is one of the sort of incredible things I learned running the neuroimaging department because I've seen thousands of scans, both electrical and functional. And so depression looks different for different people, which is why, you know, if you're struggling with treatment resistant depression, 
um, going to get neuroimaging, again, whether it's through a QEEG, which is the looking at the electrical activity of the brain, or getting a functional scan will allow us to target treatment based on the way your brain is wired. So with that premise in mind, uh, and understanding the medications like SSRIs or SNRIs, they can be effective if it works and it's targeted for the way your brain is wired. Um, the unfortunate part is that they can have side effects that people really don't appreciate, right? The sexual side effects, sometimes they don't work, sometimes they make you feel worse. So if we're working with people and want to help support them nutritionally, some of the things that you can do, uh, number one, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, I don't know if you're taking them now. Um, it's probably yeah, one. I give them to my, uh, I spoke to another lady that gave me some insights. I give them to my kids every night. And, well, that's um, a smart. My son movie. in particular feels a little bit happier and better. You know, it seems to yeah. help they, it, it actually helps. So the omega-3 fatty acids are critical for supporting brain growth and development. I mean, you know, 90% of the fats in the brain are DHA. So an omega-3 fatty acid is comprised of EPA and DHA. And we want to make sure, especially in our kids with those developing brains that we're, that they're getting enough of those omega-3 fatty acids. And you know, I don't know, most people aren't having two servings of fatty fish per week. So I think supplementing with an omega-3 fatty acid is a really smart strategy. And for everyone, whether they're kids or whether you're adults, you know, adults, we recommend one to two grams per day. But what that will do is, number one, help maintain brain volume, but it also helps to maintain the stability and fluidity of the cell membranes. And so why is that important for uh, anxiety, depression, neuropsychiatric disorders is that you've got the receptors for um, serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, they're all sitting within that lipid environment. We want to make sure that that lipid environment has um, the appropriate lipid profile. And that's where you want the DHA, the DHA EPAs from the omega-3 fatty acids. Okay. Um, so in addition to omega-3, uh, are there any other supplements that really uh, work synergistically or on that their can own? Help with depression. Absolutely. So yep. another one is called 5-HTP, which is serotonin. So omega-3 fatty acids and serotonin um, can help. Uh, we can also use something called SAM-E, which is an amino acid that the body naturally makes. Um, SAM-E works to help calm down the uh, overactivity of the brain and reduce inflammation. There's a contraindication, though, with SAM-E. So people who have manic depression should not be taking it. That's why sort of as a more general recommendation, doing the omega-3 fatty acids and the serotonin um, can work really well for people. It gets a little tricky if you're on an SSRI or SNRI. You know, when you have supplements and medications, that's when you need to work with a psychiatrist to make sure that you don't overproduce serotonin because it could lead to something called serotonin syndrome, which is not fun. It could send you to the hospital. <laughs> oh, wow. So you have to be, you do have to be careful with those things. But if you're, if you're struggling with depression, um, doing the omega-3 fatty acids and the serotonin supplement can definitely help. Are they, do they produce subtle effects or can they yes. produce like enormous effects? That's a, that's actually a great question. So the beauty about supplements is that they have half-lives of between four to six hours. So that gives people the peace of mind if they take it and it doesn't feel good in their body, you know, it's going to clear quickly. The effects tend to be very subtle, which is very different from a medication, which sometimes feels like it has that sledgehammer effect. You know, it's really That's exactly strong. what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, medications are like, right. Like a yeah. They're, the they're head. a sledgehammer. It, it, for example, you know, a lot of people who have trouble sleeping will get on what are called benzodiazepines. So that's the Xanax, the Ambien, um, that works to just quiet the brain very quickly. Now, well, that can help people get to sleep. It can actually interfere with the quality of sleep. And sometimes people wake up and they feel groggy. Um, conversely, 
if we put somebody on, say, a GABA supplement. So GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that's already found in the brain. So we can put somebody on GABA. It's a lot milder feel. So you won't get the sledgehammer effect, but it's quiets the firing of the neurons in the brain. And it's something you can take. You'll wake up in the morning. You'll feel alert, awake. It's not going to interfere with the deeper quality of sleep. So this is why I found, and I have a real appreciation for the use of supplements and how they can be very supportive in helping us to balance our mood without having to worry about, you know, the, the stronger side effects that medications have. So, um, I mean, so the, the effects are subtle from natural substances. Can you make much progress or is there a big subset of people that just are resistant? And you know, what's interesting. It's, I, I say it, I say that they're subtle in terms of a comparison between, uh, you know, supplement versus medication because medications are tend to be very strong and, um, because they bind to receptors sometimes throughout the body. That's why you have the side effects. The supplements just have just a much more gentle, gentle action, but they're still strong enough to make uh, physiological changes in the brain. Okay. So this like, is for... like long, long lasting. And I'm in, when I'm, mm. when I'm talking about that, um, I tend to think some of the research that we've done is looking at the effects of traumatic brain injury on brain function and then showing that we can use natural supplements to help restore blood flow and reverse some of that damage. And that's where supplements in my mind have really, um, I was actually quite surprised (laughs) at how much of a difference that we can make in the physiological function of the brain by taking a natural supplement. All right. So this is for depression. Um, Part of your bio talks about, uh, you know, enhancing your brain and enhancing your ability to think. So are these nootropics or are there other ways that are even more subtle or gentle to, you know, make yourself think better and to feel better? Well, that's, it's such a good question because and it's unique to each person, right? So do you want to give me example, like about if you want to Well, I've seen, uh, you know, the racetems, paracetam, aniracetam, et cetera. And they, you know, people will peddle them as nootropics, you know, like. Oh, the nootropics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about supplements to help people be sharper, have a sharper memory, you know, do they work? Do they not work? Yes. So the answer to that question is they do, but what I always caution people to do is look at the research behind that particular supplement that they're taking, you know, is the research solid? Is it published in the peer reviewed, you know, in a peer reviewed medical journal? Um, from my perspective, when we were working on helping to boost somebody's cognitive power, it was a combination of nutraceuticals that helped do it. So you have to have a good foundational multivitamin, which is important because that helps to make the neurotransmitters in our brain. You want to have a high quality omega-3 fatty acid for the reasons we discussed earlier, right? It helps to uh, reduce inflammation in the brain, stabilize cell membranes, help with cell intracellular communication. Um, then you have things like, you know, N-acetylcysteine, which is an amazing antioxidant. We're talking about the brain, which weighs 2% of the body's weight, but uses 20% of the brain's oxygen. So it's a highly metabolic um, organ. organ. You're going to have a lot of free radicals being generated. So you need to have antioxidants either through food or through supplements. So that's where the N-acetylcysteine helps. Um, there's things like huperzine A, which boosts acetylcholine, which is the neurotransmitter that helps with memory. Um, there's things like vinpocetine and ginkgo biloba, like both of those help to keep the blood vessels open. So getting more blood flow to the brain will help oxygenate the brain and help with cognition. So it's really, you know, when you're talking about nootropics and improving cognitive function, you're thinking about how can we combine these nutraceuticals synergistically so that they have the effect of boosting your memory? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So, okay. Interesting. Um, I know there was a lot to unpack there, right? No, it's all right. So when you work with people, do they, do you work directly with people or do you advise them through your books and courses or again, do you have direct 
people that you work with? All, all of the above. So when I ran, yeah, when I ran the, uh, when I was the director of nutrition and nutraceuticals, I worked one-on-one with people and ran classes and I still continue to do so. Okay. So what's the process like though? I mean, what, what are the common ailments or issues people have when they come to you and say, you know, help me with this? Everything, anxiety, depression, brain fog, ADD, right? Inability to focus, uh, want to lose weight. Um, you know, tremors, uh, you know, my mom has Alzheimer's and I don't want to get it. So how do I protect my brain? All of the above. And, you know, when I work with people, what's really important is, you know, you need to have baseline labs to see, you know, where people are at today. You need to look at their diet, see the kind of foods they're eating and make modifications to that. You want to see how nutraceuticals can help support them and address the issues that they might be struggling with. Um, Then I might, have them do neurocognitive testing, neuropsychiatric assessments, and or um, imaging, for example. Electrical imaging is a really great non-invasive way uh, to give me an idea on how the brain is functioning. And you can see which areas are working too hard, which areas are not working hard enough, and either use uh, nutritional protocols and diet to help stabilize that, or we may need to use other technologies like neurofeedback that can help stabilize those connections. So it's like, I have a very big toolbox (laughs) which I can work and recommend people to go to the appropriate places if they need more help taking care of their brain. So do you see, it's not always a simple question. If somebody's like, Hey, I want to help improve my brain function. Sometimes I need to know, well, where are we starting? I figured it wasn't, you know, when you said, the Amen clinics. You mean Daniel Amen that did all those brain scans? That's correct. That's, oh, that's really cool. That's okay. where I worked. I was his director uh, of research. All right. Well, I'm sure you have a lot of juicy information or insights from <laughs> there. Like what, you know, what? What did you see there? You know. What I've seen a lot. Well, when I was there, and- if, if we looked at your brain under a scan, would we learn what you learned? Or uh, I guess we have to. Ask I have you. seen my brain. I that was one of the. Ooh, was that scary? Of- what was that like? You know, what's funny. So that was one of the first things um, he had me do when I worked at the clinic was to take a look at my own brain, because what we always said is, how do you know, unless you look. And to my surprise, I am a very calm, cool, collected, relaxed individual. Um, Once I saw my scan, it actually had high activity in the anxiety centers and a region of the brain called the anterior cingulate gyrus, which is overactive in people who tend to ruminate or overthink or get stuck on thoughts. Mm. And I'll tell you, I was shocked because, you know, I live a very brain healthy lifestyle. I actually thought I was, you know, relaxed, but the neurobiological patterns in my brain said otherwise. So that's when I knew there were certain nutritional supplements I could take to keep that calm. Um, it just gave me another data point, if you will, to, to better understand how I function, how I'm wired. And I was able to adopt certain protocols that have been very successful for me in helping to stabilize um, my brain function. Because, you know, having, you know, your anxiety centers up consistently over time isn't going to be great. And here we are in this time of COVID where, you know, we're all a little bit more anxious. So if my knowing that my underlying neurobiological pattern is set for higher anxiety. Um, whenever anything stresses me, I just go to my, you know, anti-anxiety protocol. Oh, all right. So what does that look like for you? Is that meditation or? It, it, so it's a combination of things. I have, um, I use the GABA supplement to help keep me calm. Um, I use magnesium powder. So I'm a big fan of using magnesium because 80% of people are depleted in this critical critical mm. mineral and it gets depleted through stress. And the, the way magnesium works is it binds to an NMDA receptor and it helps to quiet the activity of the neurons firing in the brain. So those are sort of my two go-tos. Plus um, for the omega-3s, I actually use a fermented uh, cod liver oil. That's sort of my 
you know, that's my oil of choice, which is high in vitamins A and D as well. Um, so I use those to keep my brain nice and quiet. Uh, I have a meditative practice that I do daily. And when I find myself unable to quiet my brain down, sometimes I will use a CD um, that actually helps to shift the brain more into the alpha state. And the alpha, the alpha brainwave state is what we call relaxed and focused. So I use those things. I'm a big fan of the heating pad, by the way. So when I'm stressed, the muscles in my back and my neck tend to get really tense. So I will just lay on the heating pad and by relaxing my back and my shoulders, um, I become more relaxed. Okay. Um, well, so tell me about the, uh, the patients that you see, like what, I don't know what in general, the majority, like what are, what are some of their major troubles? And then, you well, know, I'll tell you, you I'll have a you. significant percent that, that it just doesn't work for them. Like what? No, you know what I, what's great with me, you know, I, one of my mottos is no brain left behind and I love the most complex cases. So some of the most complex people seem to find me, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you know, you get everything from people who have glioblastomas to Parkinson's to Alzheimer's uh, to people who want help with their general brain health. Um, you've got people with anxiety, depression, ADD, everybody looking for sort of the most natural ways to take care of their brain, but they're also looking for solutions. And, you know, because I worked in a clinic where I had access to a variety of tools, whether it was diet, lifestyle, neurofeedback, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, transcranial magnetic stimulation, you know, you can use IV therapies plus hyperbarics. Um, I just, I have access to a wide variety of ways in which we could address issues in the body. And a lot of times I will work with people and then refer them out to my colleagues, whether they're neurosurgeons or neurologists, and we can work collaboratively as a team to help people, you know, have the best quality of life possible. So I think, you know, my training as a neuroscientist, loving to get into the details, um, you know, sometimes people need to have genetic testing done. You know, there's sometimes you need to have extensive functional medicine tests done to see what the origins are as to why that person might be struggling. Um, so that's, you know, I've worked with all different kinds of people. The people that tend to find me the most are uh, football players. So one of the big studies that I did uh, with Daniel at the Amen Clinics was we, back in 2009, ran at the time was the one of the largest brain imaging studies in living professional football players. Mm. So we worked with a hundred that first study, and then we showed we could rehabilitate brain function using very basic dietary and lifestyle protocols. So because that work was so successful um, and many of those people that I started working with back in 2009, I'm still working with. Um, and unfortunately you know, people who play collision-based sports really have to be very proactive about taking care of their brain health because as we are now learning, um, playing collision-based sports causes uh, significant damage to the brain. So yeah. you, you have to, it's not just the pro athletes, but you've got the college athletes, you've got, you know, the millions of kids that are playing collision-based sports in, in school. And I think about all the mm -hmm. parents who, um, you know, who really want to sort of get ahead of the game and taking care of their kids' brain health. Because I know football is not going away. Soccer is not going away. Lacrosse is not going away. I mean, these sports will continue. So you want, you know, you want to really help to educate parents of how to best support their kids' brain, um, knowing what kind of questions to ask if their child is playing a collision-based sport and gets injured and it has a brain injury and it's not recovering within a two to three or four week period. You know, some people have this post concussion syndrome, which can go on for months. Well, so I was going to ask you when, when you say brain injury, is that typically manifest itself with a, a light or a heavy concussion? All of the above, you know, some people have brain injuries and it's just from the repetitive subconcussive impacts that start off with headaches and uh, blurry vision, um, you know, sensitivities to light, noise, um, you know, 
uh, irritability, inability to sleep. Usually the kids that have post-concussion syndrome, you start to see the problems in academic performance at school. So they can't focus, they're irritable. And, you know, the parents call me and say, hey, you know, my child was playing football, you know, had a head injury, pulled him out of the game. It's been, you know, a month. I've taken him to the neurologist. He's had the CT. Everything looks good. See, that's the problem with head injuries. Um, you know, they typically just, you know, if they suspect that there could be any sort of bleeding in the brain, they might do the CT. And for m- most of the cases, the CT looks normal. Um, but then the child isn't getting better. So one month goes by, two months, three months, and, you know, I get a call from a concerned parent saying, what do I do? And that's when, you know, I go into, you know, full force, like, okay, let's do the lab work. Let's take a look at the diet and lifestyle. Let's, um, let's get some imaging done, you know, the functional or electrical imaging and electrical imaging is really easy for people to do. It's relatively inexpensive. Um, It's non-invasive. It can be done in you know, 30 to 40 minutes, and we can glean a lot of information and how the brain is functioning and, you know, use very simple protocols, some of which might entail using what's called neurofeedback to help stabilize the network activity that is uh, erratic, but we can do that. And for kids, it's really important because they have developing brains. So those brains are really precious. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, like what, what are, if someone's feeling okay, but they're not feeling great, they're not feeling sharp and they just want to improve, you know, their cognition and just feel like, you know, I've, I've been lucky where there's been a few times where I guess my diet was on point, my supplementation, and I felt like amazing. I felt like my brain was just on fire and I had so much energy. I didn't Yay. know what to do with it, but <laughs> it doesn't, but there's been plenty of other times where I was like, ugh. So, you know, you know, what's funny, some people don't know, there's so many simple things you can do to keep yourself sharp. And, you know, number one, the number one thing that people should do that most don't do is to drink enough water. So and I it just sounds so simple, right? But the brain is made up of 75% water, um, even a 1% decrease in water volume can, um, can result in brain fog, and an inability to focus. And most people really require, so women on average require about two liters of water today. Each day, men require about three liters of water per day. And that recommendation is from the Institute of Medicine. And then 20%, actually the recommendations are 2.7 liters for women, 3.7 liters for men. 20% of that can come from fruits, vegetables, teas, you know other sort of liquid like beverages. So you really want that two to three liters of water every day. And I will tell you, I've been teaching this for a very long time and I still have to focus on it. I've got to make sure I have the water bottles, you know, my three 32 ounce bottles Mm -hmm. of water that I drink throughout the day. So, you know, staying on point with your water is important. Um, Another one that I love, and I'm not sure if you do this or not, but the green, a fresh green juice daily is so helpful to your brain health. It's actually not really? amazing for your brain. It's great for your liver. Um, but by doing a fresh green juice, uh, I do cucumber, celery, kale, um, and then say I'll throw in a pear if I want a little bit of fruit. But that is a highly nutritious you know, alkaline beverage full of living nutrients, enzymes, you know, hydrating. So it's great for your brain. It's great for your liver. It's filled with antioxidants. That's going to help protect your brain. Easy for the system to absorb. It's (laughs) anti-inflammatory. So that's one of the great things about, you know, having protocols like this. If every day you're drinking your water, you know, quotient, you're having at least one eight to 16 ounce green juice. If you can put two of them in there, even better. If you can get three, that's amazing because we want to keep the inflammation down in your body. Most people eat highly inflammatory diets, Um, you know, high sugar diets, 
too much meat, which is inflammatory, you know, meat, eggs, dairy, all of that's inflammatory. So. Well, well tell me some of the, um, you know, let's, let, let's go a little bit by a little bit. So okay. water. Yes. You know, have, have you had patients where you told them have more water? They actually listened. Did they experience a big effect where have you done it and experienced a big effect? A hundred percent. Actually, I go, <laughs> it was really funny in my book, biohack your brain. In, in each chapter, I give my own personal story about, you know, the thing that I really want people to do. So I have a chapter on hydration and back in graduate school, I just didn't drink water. I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't like the taste of it. Sometimes I'd have crystal light, but that really, you know, I don't know if that really counts as water. I'd have lots of fruits and vegetables, but I just didn't drink water. So I started having fainting spells. I was fainting everywhere. And it was because, and the fainting was also correlated with stress, but it was the first time I started to realize, wow, here I am a neuroscientist and I should know better, right? I should know I should be drinking water. So I learned 20 some odd years ago that I need to have water to function optimally. Now with patients, so I would teach these brain directed weight loss groups at the Amen clinics. That's another layer of what's in this book. Um, I started doing that when I was working with the professional athletes, because a lot of them were um, overweight and they're just overweight because, you know, that's typical of football players, right? They're larger um, in, in body mass than, than they need to be. So one of the one of the great things Dr. Inman had me do was run this brain directed weight loss group where we would focus on teaching the players how to take care of their brain health with the side effect being weight loss. And one of the first things I had everybody do, so every week I would give them a new challenge. And usually weeks one or two, that challenge for the week would be drink your quotient of water. Um, and it was because when it comes to weight loss, sometimes people are mistaking a signal for thirst as a signal for hunger and they're going to eat. So I would rather make sure you're well hydrated because if you're well hydrated, you may start to eat less. So do you see that? Yeah. So it's, you know, think about that as a foundational principle of health. I mean, your cells, your cells literally need the water to survive. Um, a lot of diseases uh, can manifest because of chronic cellular dehydration over time. So if I were to give people one brain health tip today that they should just do every single day, I would say two would be drink your water quotient every day. Um, and like I said, you can either follow the Institute of Medicine guidelines or um, what we would do in the clinical setting is say, drink half your body weight in ounces of water, right? So that's easy. You weigh 200 pounds, you drink hundred ounces of water. Um, oh. Super, you know, it, it makes it really easy and just knock that out. That's one of your to do's. And it's just, if you do that every day and do a green juice every single day, a fresh squeezed green juice, you know, I know people like to go to the store and buy the ones that are in the bottles, but you really want the ones that you, you make yourself and you drink within 15 to 30 minutes of, you know, if I go to like a juice place and they make it, I know they they, they tend to put a lot of sugar in them. And if you don't watch out, but is there anything else wrong with that? if, If they make it for you, that's exactly what you want. I just want somebody to make it fresh and have you have it within 15 to 30 minutes to get all of the living enzymes. Um, because once, yeah, once you bottle it, now there are, you know, don't get me wrong. There are probably some ways that you can bottle and preserve the, the living nutrients. But, um, I think if you're, it's just like eating, you know, raw fruits and vegetables. When you eat the raw fruits and vegetables, you get all the good nutrients. When you cook, sometimes you lose the nutrients. Same thing. If you fresh squeeze it and drink it, you're going to get all those living enzymes. If you're packaging it, um, and having it at a later point in time, I'd still want people to do that. If that's their only way to get it, please, you know, I never want to deter people from having a green drink. (laughs) It's, it's so greatly needed. And a lot of the, a lot of the patients that I work with our clients, I work with, if they drink coffee, um, I know people love coffee. If they drink coffee, I usually say if for every cup of coffee you have pair it with a green drink. So at some point in your day, 
have the green drink because sometimes um, the coffee can be dehydrating and we might lose some of our, our valuable um, minerals in our bones as well. Sometimes it uh, can cause because it's a little acidic and, and the way we buffer our systems buffer things, you um, can leach minerals from the bone. So a good way to balance out that cup of coffee is to have your green juice, which will remineralize <laughs> your system. Okay. So between the green juice and the, uh, you know, more water intake, I mean, does that get a lot of people pretty far along or is that just it, the beginning? It does. Okay. So that's just the beginning. So next I would say um, three servings of vegetables a day and two servings of fruit. So now I sort of get into the Mediterranean diet, which um, I have been using effectively for the last decade in helping people to really get brain fit and brain healthy. The reason why that diet is so effective is it's really high in, you know, clean nutrients. So you've got three servings of fruits, two servings of vegetables, and some of those you could just knock out having your green juice. But, you know, I actually like people doing the green juice and having the fruits and vegetables as well, because you need the fiber. We need about 33 grams of fiber per day to keep our microbiome healthy. Um, and to just keep our body healthy. So I really like people doing both. Um, but you get the three servings of fruits, two servings of vegetables, a serving of legumes, which are beans. <laughs> uh, yep. You want to get uh, two servings of fish per week. You want to keep your proteins um, clean and lean. <laughs> so like I said, the fish is great. Um, you can get a little bit of chicken. You want to keep your meats meat consumption low if possible. Now I've worked with so many people, a lot of men, I know people love their meat. It's inflammatory to the system. Um, when you eat meat, it has these like bacterial. Uh, I, I, yeah, I actually have a question there. Sure. I've interviewed people that are like, oh, you know, veganism is the way, et cetera. Right. Um, and, you know, they'll tell me they have hundreds or thousands of testimonials and you know, I believe them. And then I talk to people that are keto or people that are carnivore yep. and I see the exact same thing. They have like, you know, a thousand testimonials and people yep. feel great. And so does that tell you that there's no one diet for everybody or are some of these, uh, there's confounding factors or what? Yeah. I, the, you actually bring up really good points. And in the clinical setting, you know, we would use the ketogenic diet for, um, people who have seizure disorders and people who had Alzheimer's or dementia. So I think you really want to tailor eating regimens to that specific individual and what their issues are. Um, as a sort of general recommendation, the reason why I like the Mediterranean diet, I mean, it's been around for 50 years. Um, it's got a significant amount of peer reviewed evidence to show not only does it help cardiovascular health, so it'll help keep your blood vessels open and healthy. Um, it will help support your neurological health. In uh, 2015, brilliant epidemiologists and uh, colleagues over at Rush University published an amazing study on the MIND diet, which is a combination of the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, which is the dietary approaches to uh, stop hypertension. So it was the combination of the two that helped to slow neurodegenerative decline or cognitive decline. And the people that followed that diet rigorously um, were able to slow down cognitive aging by seven and a half years. So right. when it, you know, if you're going to ask that question through the lens of what is the best way to eat to support my cognitive health, I'm going to go with Mediterranean and mind. Um, if you're going to ask me the question, what is the best diet to do if, you know, I have a glioblastoma or if I have a seizure disorder or um, if I have Alzheimer's, then, you know, a modified ketogenic diet, depending on what the situation is, I think is going to be most helpful. And, you know, we know for seizure disorders, ketogenic diet is the number one way to go. The caveat with that is, I know for brain health, you need a lot of antioxidants to keep the, the neurons of the brain protected and healthy. And in order to get those antioxidants, you get them from fruits and vegetables. And I just, 
the thing that, you know, gives me a little bit of pause with the ketogenic is a long-term dietary approach is that you're not getting those beneficial antioxidants. Mm. And I, I don't know if you could supplement with those. I mean, I don't know. You would have to, you know, do clinical trials. Um, but in getting to your original question about the meat. So, you know, because I work with so many people on their diets and I really work on just making upgrades and making the diets work for them. And there are certain people that just love meat. That's what they want. Um, you know, we do know people who follow a vegan diet, um, have the lowest incidence of cancer. There's published research on that. So that's definitely pro. Um, but then there's, you know, nutrient deficiencies that you can get and animal protein can be very important for some people. So uh, if you're healthy and don't have any inflammatory diseases, no diabetes, cancer, heart disease, um, I think having moderate consumption of meats, you know, the red meats, you know, you should just limit them. You could still have them, but, you know, it causes a low grade inflammation in the body that can last for hmm, five to six hours, according to the data. The problem is if you eat it too frequently. So if you're having, you know, bacon for breakfast and you're having a burger for lunch and then, you know, having a piece of meat at dinner, you know, you might want to just try to have it once a day or once a week. So do you see how you can kind of tailor your diet towards your lifestyle, but also optimizing your health? Within the right parameters, if you're covering, you know, the right bases, you can still enjoy what you like. I, like if, if you, if you love meats, then, and you're working with me, I'm going to just have you do more green juices, right? So I'm going to figure out how to counterbalance what you're doing to help your system function optimally, because really that's my goal for everyone. How do I help get you to a state of optimal health? And, you know, if you're not feeling great, you know, we're going to work to figure out what kind of tweaks and adjustments we can make. And, you know, for some people, we might have to limit the, the meats. Okay. And yeah, that makes sense. Does it make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, everything you're saying sounds like common sense. Um, is you it just funny? That, just, it is, is so it just that people don't do it or what? That is exactly it. Uh, a lot of it is common sense when I'm working with people to really get them healthy. So I'm getting them healthy and also helping them lose weight. So it's, you know, drinking the water, doing your green juices, staying on a Mediterranean diet and keeping, you know, being aware of your daily calorie consumption, being aware of your daily sugar intake. Um, so when I was running my weight loss groups for one whole week, I'd have people track the amount of sugar that they were consuming daily. Now the American Heart Association says it actually gives a range. So women should have no more than 25 grams of sugar per day, um, men, 36 grams. And <laughs> I promise you, um, people are having like a hundred grams a day easily of sugar. And it is really challenging for most people to get down to 25 grams. It's, it takes measuring and accountability and awareness. So a lot of times when I'm working with people, it's helping to get them to shift and see oh, okay, these are the habits that I'm doing consistently that have gotten me to where I'm at. And so a lot of times I'm unwinding some of the bad habits and I'm putting in some of the new habits to help them, you know, be able to sustain their brain health or help them to lose weight. Because the sort of the interesting caveat in working with me is I'm going to look at everything that you're struggling with. And if in the process of helping to get your brain healthy and cleaning up your dietary habits. Again, I may have to add supplements. You know, if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, ADHD, I might have to modify the supplements, um, change your diet to help support whatever issue that is that's going on in your brain, you know, help to balance it. And even exercises, there's certain exercises that are better for people with ADHD versus ones who are struggling with depression. So there's an there's a tailoring approach here. So I'm kind of giving you some broad brush strokes, but you know, everybody has their own unique story and unique way their brain is wired. So the generalizations help the water, the green juices, right? We all know we should keep our stress levels down, but a lot of people don't know how to do that. And a lot of people don't know 
just like myself, when I got my brain imaged, I didn't know that my anxiety centers were so active. Um, because I know that I now have protocols and supplements that I can use that help to, to temper that. Right. And, are you even calmer now you feel like, or what? Oh yeah. Well, the great thing is I know, I know when my brain is going, cause I know how it's wired. Um, I know exactly what I need to do to keep it calm. And that's, that's kind of the coolest thing about being a neuroscientist. Once you start learning these things, you go, wow. Um, you realize most people are walking around. They have no idea how their brain is functioning and how it's impacting their day-to-day life. I guess if you get calm enough, you'll, you'll be like a, a stoner in a way, but a zen, yeah, a, a you'll be with it. Zen. Yeah. I, I will. <laughs> I think I'm, I don't think my wiring would ever get me to that point. Oh, you're funny. And I've never done a drug in my life. So I don't even know what that would feel like. Oh no. Okay. Huh. <laughs> so, um, if someone listens to you and they try and you adapt and you change and try different things, like has there ever been people that you just can't help, but they're actually trying, not just telling you they're trying, but they're trying. Yeah. Well, you know, there are certain people that just have challenging cases. Usually those are people with, um, you know, tremors or some kind of neurological issues. So those are the things where you know, or MS. So, you know, we work on changing the dietary and lifestyle habits and helping them to just have the best quality of life possible, because sometimes that's the goal. Um, but then, you know, I'm always out making sure that there are other options available, because I think being in my field, you learn that there's some extraordinary ways to heal the brain. I mean, there's stem cell therapies, there's using um, IV glutathione or IV vitamin C combined with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, again, the transcranial magnetic stimulation is great for certain people who have treatment resistant depression. Um, there's always new things that are coming out, new discoveries that are being made. So I think when people are working with me, that's sort of the way my mind is wired. Like, how can we help clean up some of the behaviors and habits that, you know, are easy to address, um, like the ones that we've touched upon? And then what are the other things that we haven't thought of? You know, what are the other areas that we can explore? And I think that's what makes my job so fun <laughs> because, because I just, I feel like there's always answers and, you know, working at the Amen clinics, you know, we work with people who have, you know, complex psychiatric disorders. I mean, when I ran the research department, we had a formal outcome study. So every single patient that walked through our doors, you know, we track them. It's three months, six months, 12 months. And, the, we found that the people that would come to our clinic typically have failed three to four um, treatment providers. They had on mm. average uh, four psychiatric diagnoses and are on an average of five to six medications. So, you know, I'm oh, so wow. used to working with people who are, have these extraordinarily complex histories and seeing number one, that we can change people and help to support them to have healthier brain function just by addressing diet and lifestyle. Um, and knowing that if we scanned them, put them on a diet and lifestyle protocol, and then did a follow-up scan that we can actually make measurable changes in brain function. I mean, that to me, that is extraordinary in itself. And it's, yeah, that's really cool. It, it sort of reinforces, I mean, we always say, oh yeah, we know the things to do to be healthy, right? We work our brain, we keep our stress low, we eat a clean diet, we know we shouldn't have sugar. It's funny, you say those things, but having taught thousands of people and how to be brain healthy and then having them lose extraordinary amounts of weight. I mean, I have so many people that have lost over a hundred pounds and it's Oh, that wow. wasn't that wasn't even my training. Like I did it by teaching people the neuroscience behind why to do certain things. And I think that's probably the yeah. unique spin that I give in my book and that has, you know, enabled me to have the success that I've had, especially even in working with people. I think when people know the why, um, they do it more often. And then I think when they know we could measure your brain you know, now, and then, you know, three months from now and show you that the actions you're doing are making measurable changes in the 
physiological function of your brain um, and that those changes are sustainable, that is enough to change somebody's habits for a lifetime. And what gets me so excited is I know when they follow the recommendations I give them, not only will they feel healthier, they'll think clearer, um, they'll be more productive, they'll get a better sleep, they'll, they'll have all of that. I also know that I'm helping to preserve their brain function. I know that I'm helping to support um, the long-term health of their brain. I know that as they age, right, and going to their 60s, 70s, and 80s, they're less likely um, to have the diseases of aging. And I think that's really the driver why I get so excited to champion brain health. Well, that's excellent. Um, this is a good call. I mean, we're unfortunately we're out of time. It's like an hour, but uh, well, where can people follow up to uh, you know to work with you and to get more of your insights? Like, oh well, where thank can they you. Get your book? Where can they find you? Yes, so you can get my book at Amazon. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, HarperCollins. Um, so you're welcome to go there, and you can also go to my website, which is at drwillemeyer.com. Um, I don't know if there's a place where people can find out how it's spelled because it's W W I L L E U M I E R. There you go. So you can find me at drwillemeyer.com. You can learn about my background. There's a link to the book there. Um, you can reach out to me if you want to have a consult and okay. yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Have you enjoyed it? No, it was great. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.